This week on the Men at the Movies podcast, we conclude our Lord of the Rings series with the return of the king. We discuss how this story sets a vision for who we could be as men. Through testing and pain, growth is possible and our true selves are revealed. And for all the armies, politics, strength, and wisdom, the fate of the world depends on the small battle for your heart. Join us as we discover our stories in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me for the, it's not really a cleanup because it's not the fourth installment, but batting cleanup for this third installment, the final installment of the Lord of the Rings trilogy is Jay Heck. Hey man, how you doing? Man, I'm pumped. This is the greatest, greatest of the movies, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked. And it's, I think in a lot of ways, it's, everybody talks about the importance of trilogies. You know, we see the, the Matrix trilogy or the Star Wars trilogies and, you know, this was obviously started as a book and hazarding a guess here. It's the trilogy kind of the, the, especially the final installment that every other one is compared to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. We are going to do our best to navigate this because as, as Jay mentioned, there is a lot, not just in this movie, the Lord of the Rings or the Return of the King movie specifically. And we are only dealing with the theater theatrical cut where we didn't do the extended version because I didn't have four and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> but there is there is a lot of content, both in this movie, but as a whole. So as we wrap up this uh, this series in this trilogy, we wanted to sort of go back and, and ask some of the bigger thematic questions of the story in itself. And that's really what we talk about when we talk about movies or books, it's really story. Mm -hmm. um, so why, why Jay, do you think that this is one of the greatest stories of all time? Well, you know, in your introduction, uh, with the music in the background, you talk about the stories that we love being reflections of a larger story of another story. And, in a, you know, and like all things, um, like I model my parenting as best I can after what I see other really good parents doing, you know, the best that I can do. And it's a great gift to have a vision of people who do things well so that I can try and emulate it. And I think of, of all the movies that we, you know, I, and I love movies. I love storytelling because it speaks even at a deeper level than, um, you know, like Paul's epistles or, or, or somebody who j just going in and reading out of a book, this is how you should live. These are the 10 rules to living. When I see it in a story, there's something that I am able to embrace more deeply about that truth. And I'm able to, to carry that and remember it more. And in the Lord of the Rings, you're not only getting a snapshot through multiple characters of what initiation looks like to go from being a boy mm. to being a man, which you could take any number of other stories and that's the story and that's enough for you to resonate with it. But this one's actually going on this incredibly large scale, so large that it's bigger than, you know, um, it's bigger than anything that we can see. It actually challenges, like I was telling you last week, like when I introduced my father to this, he just couldn't, he couldn't get into it. <laughs> he loves World War II movies. He loves the Civil War. You know, he loves the scale and the scope of that. But there's something about this movie that is so epic in nature. It's so, it's, it's a blending of, of humanity and a supernatural realm. Mm -hmm that that actually challenges what we believe may or may not be behind the physical human powers that we see 
you know, there's a lot. I've done a lot of stories, studies, and I love reading about World War II like my dad does. Mm-hmm. But you don't know what were the powers that manifested Hitler and Mussolini, you know, to move forward. And I think in a story like this, we actually see the supernatural powers that are behind it, which begs us to ask the question, are there things going on in my story and in the world that we're living in that I don't understand? What is that story? And where am I in that story? And what will be my response to that story? So there is an invitation to look deep, Mm -hmm. deeper than what we can see that this story presents. And I would hate to stand before God one day and and have him say, look, I gave you the Lord of the Rings <laughs> as as a blueprint, you right. know, to to have you challenge why this story or or what animates the human powers that are that are visible. And you didn't take the bait. You didn't think about it. And I think I think that's it. I mean, this is this is this is really a battle about a kingdom over the course of the kingdom's story that has an enemy that is working strategically in darkness over time and then eventually comes out in a very mocking way once he's built enough power and he he begins uh, intimidating. And I think that's every enemy's story is that while he's planning, he stays in darkness. But then at, at some point when men lower their, their guard, uh, and their defenses, which is what's happened over the course of this story, is that evil comes up and it prevails and it mocks, and you can even see the increasing darkness throughout the stories. And then the big question, what will man do now that first they see the story more clearly, second, they realize that they have a decision to make mm-hmm. as to what role they're going to play in it, and then thirdly, they have to have the courage to enter into it. They have to do it. And overall, I think there's two lines in this movie that repeat themselves. And I think it really is the ultimate purpose of the movie is given the story that you're in, um, how will your quality be proved? That was said a fair multiple times. And in this last version, Gandalf is looking at Pippin, who just keeps messing up <laughs> and keeps proving his kind of stupidity. And Gandalf says to him, here's a great time for one of the Shire pro- folk mm. to once again prove their worth. And so there's that phrase again. Every man is mm. given the opportunity with his life to prove his worth. And that's what you see through all the beautiful character arcs in this great story. I think that's why it's one of the greatest movies of all time here. I love that, that every man wants to prove their worth. Mm-hmm. And you see that, and and you mentioned that what would what would we do when faced with evil? Because in this story, especially early on, and, and it started a little bit in the last one, it said the two towers, but that was talking about sort of the two towers of evil. Mm-hmm. So going back to to the fellowship of the ring, we had our slow orientation of who's the who's who are the people, what's going on. What's our role to play? And even so, you know, as, as we talked about, Mary and Pippin sign up and they're like, we want to go, though we, you know, Frodo, I, I'll take the ring, though I don't know the way. Pippin and, and Mary, they want to go for friendship and, and to prove themselves, prove their worth to Frodo. And so that's the slow orientation, as, as we talked about before we started recording. Chapter two in the the book two, uh, the two towers was, oh, there's evil. You know, you had Saruman and um, Sauron. And you get to the point at the end of the movies where this sense of resistance is futile, right? Mm-hmm. You, you pulled a line from Theoden that we cannot defeat the armies of Mordor but we will face them in battle nonetheless because we do get faced with that question. When we face evil, what would we do? You can do And you were, we were contrasting Denethor and Theoden. Denethor gave up. 
Um, he became a slave to his small story. Although he was a steward of Gondor entrusted with taking care of that kingdom, that smaller kingdom until the king returns. He said, no, this is my kingdom and I will not allow anyone to come take the throne from me, basically. Whereas Theoden had the wool pulled over his eyes by Wormtongue and Saruman. But when he remembered who he was, he remembered his identity. He cared for his people. They went to Helm's Deep to try to protect them. And even though he had a bit of a moment here in this movie where he said, if Gondor calls for aid, why would we answer? They haven't helped us. But when the beacon fires were lit, he did respond. And that's when he said that we won't, we, we're not going to be victorious, but we're going to face them nonetheless. And you have that, those two pictures of our response. One is a man who's stuck in his smaller story of life is about what I can manage and what I can create, control, manipulate, and ultimately leads in death for Denethor. Or life is about something bigger than me and my, my petty offenses because he does, he is able to set that aside and, and goes off to war and knows, and, and he ends up dying in the battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite lines really is Theoden. I, I, I have a deep affection for Theoden because he's released from darkness. And I really identify with that as a man who did not know God or Christ and didn't care at one point, somebody came along and I can picture people in my life who came and they rescued me and they invited me um, back into the story. And yet I made a lot of mistakes. And uh, one of my big mistakes is doing it on my own, trying to do life on my own. And you see that with Thaden at Helm's Deep. He's re- he refuses out of pride to call on anybody. He refuses to call on the neighboring human kingdom, Gondor, to come and help. And, mm-hmm. and he scorns the elves. You know, he's like, I'm going to do it all on my own. But victory did not come without somebody coming to his rescue. And I think it took him a while to realize that. And so when Gondor comes for help, or when he knew that Gondor needed them, uh, he said, I... Why should I go and help them? But then in time to reflect on the mistake that he made at Helm's Deep, I think he's able to see, okay, wait a minute. Like, I want my honor preserved as a man, which means that when when there's the need uh, to be called upon, I'm going to go and I'm going to. I'm going to meet that need. And one of my absolute favorite, I mean, to see the whole story aggregated and, and his honor being restored in the very last line of his life as he, as he's crushed under the weight of the horse in a battle that he so brilliantly led the charge in uh, for the Rohirrim. He says, now, um, Eowyn, you have to let me go. My, my body is broken. And I go now to my father's in whose mighty company I shall not now feel ashamed. Mm. That is one of the lines that makes me cry. Yeah. Because I do not want to be ashamed. That is probably my greatest fear is that when I cross over, I will stand before one who looks at me and says, what have you done? Uh, with your life and to know that I have given myself over in the way that I was intended by God to give my life over. That's huge, huge. (laughs) You have the absolute opposite, of course, like you said, with Denethor, the absolute opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, Denethor is a fascinating and many ways repulsive character (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, the way that he sort of uh, lifted up and idolized his son Boromir who ended up being the weak one who could not withstand the ring diminished Faramir who was as we talked about last time one of my favorite characters uh, because he was able to uh, stand firm in the the day of temptation and say no take the ring and go on Uh, but there's this this we keep talking about the larger story, right? The good versus evil story. And and even going back to the first one and Frodo's like, I wish this ring had never come to me. Yeah. We, we tend to do those things. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, um, he says, I'm just a hobbit. I can't, 
I can't save Middle Earth. I just want to help my friends with with Mary and Pippin. That's their sentiment. Mm-hmm. And with Sam, it was not about the ring. It was Frodo and his love for Frodo mm-hmm. that kept him going. But for Frodo, it was the burden. And it was just his job to do. He didn't know the way. So he's going. And, it, and I think our tendency as men, and we see it in, in Denethor, and it took him to evil places. And we see it with Frodo as, as they're climbing the stairs and there's this whispering in his ear as, as Smeagol is, is telling him. And for me, it's a glimpse into how evil works in our lives, not just to say to start off diminishing our role of I'm just a hobbit. I'm just a, a guy in, in Texas or North Carolina. What can I do? But also to then say what you are trying to do Somebody else is trying to take it. Master. Master carries heavy burden. Spiegel knows. Heavy, heavy burden. Fat one cannot know. Spiegel, look after Master. He wants it. He needs it. Smeagol sees it in his eye. Very soon, he will ask you for it. You will see. The fat one will take it from you. There's just enough truth in there, right? You carry a heavy burden. And we've, we talked about last time how Frodo saw in Smeagol slash Gollum the, the fear of who he might become. And I think that that voice in our heads, because <laughs> that's the only way I can describe it, the voice in our heads that whispers those things, it says, they don't know what it's like. They're going to try to take what's precious and you have to guard it. You have to keep it from their hands. And what that does is it divides Frodo from the person who can help him and who loves him the most in this story. At least the most intimately, mm-hmm. um, you know, because Gandalf obviously has great affection for him as well. But it, it divides him and isolates him through lies. To the point where Frodo no longer trusts the voice of his closest companion. Mm-hmm. And I think that we as men, we face those crossroads many times. Where we get to this point and. This other, uh, the other clip I have that's sort of the next, almost the next scene with them of the diminishment of, of, of Gollum's voice getting louder to the point where Frodo no longer trusts Sam and severs their, their friendship. Here, just, just rest a bit. I'm all right. No, no, you're not all right. You're exhausted. It's that Gollum. It's this place. It's that thing around your neck. I could help a bit. I could carry it for a while. Carry it for a while. I could carry it. I could carry it. Share the load. The load. The load. Get away! I don't want to keep it. I just want to help. me. You can't help me anymore. You don't mean that. Go home. With all the the royalty, right? We've talked about Denethor, the steward of Gondor, and Theoden, the, the king of Rohan. And even Aragorn shows up with all their might with all the men under their command, with all the power that they have to wield, 
the fate of the world comes down to this struggle for Frodo's heart mm-hmm. between Gollum and Sam. And in this moment, Sam or Frodo takes the wrong path. He listens to the voice of the liar. And we've all done that. <laughs> yeah. This strikes me. This is another one of those points in the film that makes me so frustrated, even to the point of tears, or at least, you know, the first five or six times I watch the movie, <laughs> but it still chokes me up. I'm, I can identify with there being accuser that is separating me from the one who is actually meant to lighten my load, mm. not take my load from me, but teach me and help me carry it. Mm. Yeah. This is Matthew 11. You know, Jesus didn't say, I'll take your burdens from you. He said, basically, share them with me and your load will be light and easy. And nobody loves Frodo like Sam. Nobody. And, you know, we were talking last time about just the difference in voices between invitation and accusation Mm -hmm. and how you can recognize who's speaking to you through which of those, you know, it really boils down to. And, and yeah, I, I just, I just know that I cannot carry the weight personally. I, J can I carry the weight of the task that God has entrusted to my care without his intimate help? And yet the big tension is whether I believe he's taking my life from me yeah. or whether he's preserving my life by his intimate fellowship with me on this trip, you know, in this, in this short life. And I, I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the battle that you're seeing here on those cliffs. And that's the one that matters. It's this, this, for all the armies and all the thousands of people who are, you know, sort of in the, on the battle lines, it comes down to these three individuals between Gollum and Sam and Frodo. Yeah. Yeah, And that's the, the, the repet, the other repeating theme of, of this series is, Victory is not won through strength. It's not won through great wisdom. And in, it, it's won through the heart. Mm. Sam's following Frodo because he loves him. Mary and Pippin follow them because he's their friend and they want to do whatever they can. Or at least, you know, believe they would, right? Something mm-hmm. along those lines. Mm-hmm. They want to put themselves in position to be available. And... It, it does. It comes down to the battle for Frodo's heart. And, you know, obviously he goes in and realizes his big mistake. But we think, I believe we think as men, what does this bigger story have to do with me? We're not Billy Graham out doing evangelization and, you know, out in stadiums and seeing hundreds of people come to Christ. We're not going, we might not go to the mission field and live our lives out in, in Chad or in, in, you know, in the jungles of, of Indonesia or something like that. We're sort of just, you know, like the hobbits, just sort of hoping for, for another meal and maybe a beer and a smoke and to sit in our comfy hobbit holes. How can Mm. we change the world? How can we, Manage to do anything. Great. I think even Aragorn faces this a bit. And Elrond shows up as, as they're gathering and he, he brings the sword. Remember we had talked earlier about mm-hmm. the, the shards of Narsal, the sword that yeah. Elendil used to, to cut the ring off of Sauron's hand. And he shows up, he had reforged the sword and he shows up because Aragorn is still not the king. He still hasn't become who he was meant to be. And I think that's also us. You know, Frodo is dealing with with the, the conflicting voices. And typically the one we're supposed to listen to isn't the one screaming in our ear. Um, it'd be nice if it sounded all evilly like, like Smeagol and Gollum did. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you hear it. You're like, Oh, I know what the bad guy's voice is, yeah. but it tends to not sound like that. But it ends up Aragorn 
gets an invitation. And it's sort of an invitation and a gift. And again, very similar to, to Frodo, it's, it's not something he necessarily wants to do or feels right to do, but it's something he, he kind of has to do. The shadow is upon us, Aragorn. The end has come. It will not be our end, but his. You ride to war, but not to victory. Sauron's armies march on Minas Tirith, this you know, but in secret he sends another force which will attack from the river. A fleet of Corsair ships sails from the south. They'll be in the city in two days. You're outnumbered, Aragorn. You need more men. There are none. There are those who dwell in the mountain. aside the ranger become who you were born to be if i was aragorn i've got to think okay but as he, as we know going back to the first one he has doubts is he the man who does have the strength to wield that sword what happens if he walks the paths of the dead and those guys don't recognize his authority as king it's this, uh, again, the battle for his heart. Who is he going to be? Because he can't be both. He can't be both ranger and king. Just like Frodo had to make a choice. It can't be either. It can't be both Gollum and Sam. He had to pick one. And I think we face those same choices. Daily. Yeah. Yeah. Aragorn had a bit of an advantage over many men these days and like he had something that Pippin and some of the, the Hobbit folk did not have. He knew from the beginning that the role of king was his to take and the weight of it is what prevented him from stepping forward into it. He was, he knew what it would cost him and he was afraid of letting people down. It was his character that made him wrestle with it. You've got other characters in the movie that have no idea what they're being swept in, up into. And they've never been told you were born for greatness mm. at all. And so they actually have to have a vision painted to them over time uh, so that they can choose to be that. You know, and many times the vision is simply well, what kind of man do I want to be? One who cowered and did not enter into battle or one who entered into battle. You know, it, they don't see themselves as a great king. And I think many of us wrestle with, well, I don't think that I'm born to do anything really great. And maybe we won't know what that is. I mean, I think that's part of God's plan for us is that. We're just designed to trust and to become more than we are right now. And then in the end, he reveals to us what role it is that we actually played. But, you know, John Eldridge has asked a question that has 
both haunted and guided me for almost a decade now. What kind of man do you want to be? It's, it's that simple. Do you want to be courageous or do you want to be a coward? Do you want to be a good husband who actually fulfills your vows to this woman that you made or one who compromises? You know, do you want to always engage in battle or do you want to be the guy who's sitting on the couch drinking your beer because you just don't have the strength or the courage or the will? You know, it's like every day, every moment in every environment that we walk into, we're faced with a question, what kind of man do I want to be? I think very few of us have any idea like Aragorn did, like what we're actually being invited into. Um, which is part of the power of the new name. And I think many of us could get a vision, at least a little vision of that. If we simply ask God, well, how do you see me? Yes. And it would be such a tremendous reorientation if we could catch a glimpse of that. And he only gives to us what we can handle at a time. <laughs> right. You know, like uh, I think of the Israelites in the promised land. I've called you to live in the promised land and you're going to change the rest of the world. And through you, I will take back all the nations. They had no idea what that looked like. They had never seen the promised land before, but, but there was just a little taste and here's where we're going and you'll just trust me. And I think, yeah. And even during that, they went the long way because mm -hmm. it, and it even says, because they were not ready for the battle. Right. Absolutely. And I think many of us fall to the temptation of, tr we feel this calling, we see this calling or this vision and we pursue it. We chase it, but, you know, as it, as it says in Zorro, we would have fought bravely and died quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, it, and it's interesting as we're, we've talked so much about vision and in, in Proverbs 29, it says without vision, where there is no vision, the people perish. Mm -hmm. Go, even going back to our opening question, why do we love this? Because it establishes a vision of who we could be as men. Nobody wants to be Boromir <laughs> right. right in the story. Right. Mm -hmm. And and who is it that you want to be? And then, like you mentioned, those daily choices of how am I going to fight for the heart of my wife, for my children's, for my own heart? What am I going to do to prepare myself for the battle that will come? Mm-hmm. Because as you mentioned, Aragorn did have a vision. He had, you know, not all of us have a poem. But I think that it's a powerful statement of who we are, who we want to be as men. And the poem is, all that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadow shall spring. Renewed shall be the blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. That's a description of every <laughs> believer in the kingdom of God from God's perspective. That's a picture of Jesus and then all of us, you know, in as portion as parts of him. That, that's our story right there. Yeah. That's what every man wants. But there is a journey to get it, for right. sure. You know, another thing that really struck me is, I, is in, in my part of my calling, first and foremost, is to become what God created me to be. And I've received some visions in my life, some of these foggy pictures that were attractive enough for me to, you know, continue moving in that direction, even through opposition. But, you know, part of what my joy is in life is inviting other men to realize how God sees them and to realize our identity as sons and, and to be, to see the process by which God turns a boy into a man. He turns a little hobbit gardener into a warrior who can come back and defend his keep. You know, I think that's what all of us are made to do. Uh, years ago, I read a book by Richard Rohr who outlined five truths that every boy must accept to become a man. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, a really good man in its fullest sense. And this movie, I mean, over the course of the story, these truths are so in your face and you get to see who accepts these, accepts these truths and who doesn't. And you get to see the, the fruit of it. And I mean, these truths are life is hard. You start in the Shire where they don't want, it's all peaches and cream, right? <laughs> but, but life is hard. How will you deal with that reality? Number two, you are not that important. Like when I hear Faramir finally understand his place in the story and and how important it is that he lets Frodo go. And he says, then my life is forfeit. Mm -hmm. He he accepts that his life is really not that important in the larger larger story. It's not about you. And you see all these people coming to the conclusion that really my life is really about allowing others to live. It's not about me. It's about those who come after me. The fourth truth, you're not in control. To hear Theoden say, how did it come to this? Mm. To hear Frodo lament, I wish the ring had never come to me. To realize at some point in our lives that we are not in control. And it's what Gandalf says. First, you have to just accept that. And then all you have to do is choose what you will do with the days that are given to you. And then the last one is that you're going to die. That's the fifth powerful reality. So how then will you die? Will you do it like Theoden? Will you do it like Aragorn? You know, in your willingness to do that? And if, if you can come to grips with those realities and then stand on top of those difficult truths and say, this then is the man that I choose to be, then you will be a different person to everyone that you know, to your children, to your family, you know, everywhere. And I, I just love how in your face these are in this movie. Well, and they actually talk about that fifth one. There's a conversation as, as Gandalf and Pippin are about to face off the enemy and, and mm. from everything that it looks minus Tirith is about to be taken over. And, and Pippin says, basically I'm scared. I didn't think it would end this way. End? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path. One that we almost take. Grey rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. What? And See what? White shores. And beyond. A far green country. To a swift sunrise. Well, that isn't so bad. No. No, it isn't. Because there's worse things than death. And I think that the reason that, that we do this sort of thing, Jay, is because we, we've seen men who are have already died but they're still walking around without, without a heart or have it diminished or discounted or discarded. And they're just trying to make life work. They're trying to find, you know, scratch out a little something in this life, but who are also scared to death of death who try to protect and sort of set up boundaries and controls and try to just, they, they're living that small story. You know, that whole idea of the center cannot hold. If you're the center of your world, then it's going to fall apart. And then, Paul, there's the other kind of man who has died to trying to hold his life together. He's died to his will to make life easy and all about him and to stay in control and to refuse the reality of death. He has... Like there's a famous line from, I don't know how famous it is, but it's, it's the line that sticks out the most from the HBO series band of brothers where one of the 
uh, one of the sergeants, I believe, comes to one of the terrified soldiers and he says, ah, the secret is it's really easy being a good soldier. You just have to realize that you're already dead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you can fight as you were meant to. It's the only way that you can actually do your duty. Well, and that's true because in the battle, if you're the one who's coward, you know, I think of the, the saving private Ryan and, um, uh, was it Upham who couldn't cross mm -hmm. the, he couldn't turn the corner and save his buddy's mm -hmm. life because mm -hmm. he was so afraid of dying. And in that moment, a piece of him died. Yeah. And it's the ones who are most afraid of dying that end up actually dying because they don't fight with yeah. ferocity, with heart, with full of love for all that is behind is, is, was, is the, the quote that's been coming up recently is we don't fight because of hatred for what's in front of us, but for a love of what's behind us. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's very little that you can expect from a man whose story is really about him. And you brought up a contrast between Lord of the Rings and fight club. Right. <laughs> yes. Which is another movie on our list. Maybe I'll, maybe we'll get you to come back for, for that one. <laughs> well, see, I'm, I am not a fan of that movie. I had somebody tell me to go and watch it. Right. And I, and I trusted this guy and I went and I watched it and I, and I'm glad for, you know, the sake of, of, of the, um, landscape mm -hmm. that we live in today to have seen it so that when I'm watching a movie like the Lord of the Rings, you can see this contrast, both of these movies wildly popular in pop culture, mm -hmm. but why, why an enormous difference. I, I want to read, like I actually host once a month of a uh, campfire or at my house and I call it fight club. And every once in a while I will read this little monologue that Ty Tyler Durden, I think is the name of the guy. This is famous line. Basically it's a story about all these white collar and blue collar workers that are just so pissed off about life that they meet in these secret locations and they beat the crap out of each other. And it is the richest source of life that they have. And as they're doing this, they're actually, um, they're finding confidence and strength that they otherwise wouldn't. Okay. What a contrast. Uh, I want to read you this quote from Tyler Durden. And this is it. This is straight from the movie. This is the Brad Pitt character. Who's got, you know, a broken tooth and, and, uh, <laughs> um, still soap has got tattoos. So he's speaking to the guys who are beating the crap out of each other. And he's, and he says this man, I see in fight club, the strongest and smartest men who've ever lived. I see all this potential. I see squandering, God damn it, an entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables, slaves with white collars. Advertising has us chasing clothes, cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. And we're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. So that is a movie that's wildly popular because many in the culture are the men say, that's how I feel. Yeah. Why the hell am I alive right now? And that's enough to bring a man to do what these guys were doing in basements. They're initiating themselves because nobody else had initiated them because they have no good story to live in. And then you contrast that with the Lord of the Rings, which millions flock to and are inspired by, where you now find these small characters who are living in these small stories, but in contrast, they're invited up into something much, much larger than themselves. They're, they're finding their courage. They're finding their place in a much larger story. And that's the rescue. So the big question for all of humanity and anybody who's listening to this is, we have to be living in a larger story that we're not seeing. That's what all these movies are telling us. There's a story that you can't see. 
will you be curious enough to search it out? Because that will actually be your rescue. And if it's a story that's so small that leaves you to initiate yourselves, look at what the product of that is in our culture. Like uninitiated boys will initiate themselves and they will, I can't remember the quote who said it, they will literally burn down the culture just to feel the warmth of the fire because nobody else has invited them around a larger fire Mm. to participate in their place in the tribe. And everybody in this story, the Lord of the Rings that we're talking about, everybody ends up having that vision revealed to them as the story that they're living in, and they're invited to take their place. Whether they do it or not depends on how well they face all those fears and that reality. But that's why Fight Club does nothing for me except (laughs) depress me about the culture that we live in. And it makes it important to me as a man to help others understand the story that we're living in. Because I realize to understand your story is a far bigger rescue than we know. And what if God's actually the one writing and producing these movies, which how many of those do you see these days now? Almost nothing. There's almost no great stories like this anymore. The Marvel comics, they just, they're, they actually depress me. They piss me off. They're a bunch of superheroes that, that don't have to deal with their mortality. Their world is all about them. So you've got superheroes that are not dealing with these five truths. Unlike the Lord of the Rings, they're all like us, you know? Well, and unlike to the band of brothers, you know, Mm. those are guys, again, I I love one, this idea of the self-initiation because you do see that in, in today's society and culture. And, you know, we think we're supposed to be, you know, everything's up and to the right growth and profit. All, you know, that's a sign of God's blessing. Yeah. But sometimes God's blessing is (laughs) like, for instance, I think of Frodo. He gets to the end. He gets to the brink. And Sam says, what are you waiting for? Just let it go. But he can't. Because it feels like death to him. Mm -hmm. And it takes Gollum jumping on him, biting off his finger Mm -hmm. and celebrating for Frodo to be free because sometimes our rescue is losing a job. Mm -hmm. And on it, that's part of my story. I was, I was a a manager and a leader and they said, um, you don't, you don't have to necessarily go home, but you can't stay here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm you know, for something that I poured my heart into for two or three years. And then I realized that's not a, a really long time, but that was something I cared about. And to say, no, you need to do something else. Well, I was lost, but that was one of the catalysts that ended up with me showing up back in church. So, and sometimes the best things that can happen are the job loss are the tragedies are the, and we're, you know, I don't understand how God's sovereignty works. <laughs> this mm. is not that kind of podcast, mm. but God uses our pain or we don't want to waste our pain. We want to learn from it. We want to grow from it. We want to be matured by it and not just be taken out by it. Yeah. I mean, if we're wise. Yeah. Well, that's what, yeah. and, and John Maxwell, I think, talks about that of um, experience isn't the great teacher. It's learning from your experience that, mm-hmm. that makes you develop and grow. Mm-hmm. Evil is really powerful. I mean, in, in opposition, I, I think of like who we would be if we came into the world and didn't, didn't experience pain. All great growth comes from pain yeah all growth comes from pain we define happiness by pain that's another one of the lines from the matrix actually is they originally built the matrix with no pain and it completely fell apart because a human's (laughs) life is defined by pain joy and pain are intermingled you know and so we you know we recreated the program with pain in it and 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 it works. This feels right. It's funny. A buddy of mine sent me a video 
last night or this morning, I think, talking about lobsters. And that the only way, as the lobster grows inside the shell, there comes a point where the shell doesn't fit. It's too tight. And -hmm. the shell doesn't grow. So in order for the lobster to continue to grow, he hides under a rock, sheds the, the shell, and regrows a new one. That fits. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't listen to the pain, and this is what this, I don't even know who is, I don't even know where the video came from, but this old dude with this long white beard. And he said, if we don't honor the pain and we just go and say, Hey, I need some Valium. I need some Percocet. I need some alcohol or whatever. We numb the pain. Then we don't ever grow and we end up dying because we're so compressed inside a shell that doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so true and uh, i mean going back to the lord of the rings isn't that what you see at the end i mean the reason that i can tear up as i look at the last hero shot of each of these members is because i've seen them take that journey i've seen them time and time again molt out of their old small right. shell into something larger, even when they didn't want it. Yeah. You know, and it makes me, it makes me find perspective and courage to face my own fears. This movie literally helps me to live better. I've got gray hair. I want to be Theoden. <laughs> and I want to be Aragorn, of course. I'm a young man with many years ahead. So I want to be Aragorn, but I've got many years behind. I want to be Theoden as well. It helps me parent as well. I don't want my kids living in the Shire. I don't want to create a Shire for them. They need to see the larger story to really enjoy the Shire. Right. And they need to see what protected it, you know? Yeah. And that's one of those scenes that, tears me up, chokes me up. There's many in this one, but when they, the, the, the four hobbits get back to the Shire and they're recounting and it's like, it's been 13 months. All this happened in a year, basically. And they go and, and the Shire looks generally the same. The same people are there. The same things are going on. They're, they're going to the little bars and hanging outside their hobbit holes. And they sit down and have a beer and just give each other that, that look of we we've been through life. We've, we've been through battles. We we've, our, our hearts have been tested and we've been through, you know, as, as Paul says, I've been through my initiation. Mm -hmm. So to wrap up, in this movie, as we mentioned, your, the identity comes out. Through testing, we are revealed who we are. Through our initiation, we are revealed who we are. And the vision, as you mentioned, you, you, have a, you set the vision for your children. You have to give them some direction of this is the truth about the world. This is how I prepare you for the world. As we've been talking throughout this whole episode the the vision is important and what vision do you have for your life because that sets that's where it starts because if you don't have a vision then you can't have a vision for your family or your work or your relationships or anything and paul it's important to note that you can't come up with your own vision for yourself like, I mean, when you, you know, that scripture you referred to, I believe is actually in Proverbs twice because of its importance without a vision. And actually, if you look that word up in the Hebrew, it's without a divinely given revelation. Like God has to reveal to you who you are, the story that you're living in, what you are made for, what the masculine heart is designed to do, how you are to bear the image of God. These are th- 
things that you can't just come up with on your own. That's actually what we see in the world everywhere is people coming up with their own vision and saying, I reject your vision. You have to allow me to have my own vision. That's fine. Okay. But it's going to fall apart. Good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was the, the contrast we saw with the, with the fight club is they were establishing Mm -hmm. their own vision and then taking out their frustration because they can't achieve it on their own. And we can't achieve our vision on our own. I mean, otherwise it's just kind of what we want. It's not really a vision. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the reality is that God's vision will be really hard to accept because it's way bigger than anything that you would try and bite off on your own. And it will feel impossible. The more clarity that you get, the more you realize in order for me to do that, to become that, I can't do it on my own. It will actually require supernatural assistance, which is exactly the point. Yeah. It's the reason we're alive is to do something with God that's impossible if we try and do life without him. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap up. Unless you have anything else to add. No, I, I mean, there's, there's just, (laughs) there's just, just so, so much. Um, You can see a picture of the coming kingdom in that ceremony, you know, at, at the top of, uh, you know, on the, on the big white tower of Ecthalion, when the new king is coronated, you see the rightful king, the healer, mm-hmm. you know, honoring all those who have fought with him. Um, he was willing to give his life time and time and time again for his people. And, and you see him setting things right. And even his line reflects so much the promise of the coming kingdom with Jesus at the helm again, where he says, now it is time for us to rebuild this world, which is what we get to do. Yeah. You know, someday. Yeah. It's very exciting. Jay, thanks for putting in the hours and the effort and time to dig into this movie. And I appreciate it because uh, one, I got to know you a little better, but the other is I got to, re-engage with this story that like, I still have the books. I think my parents gave me when I was like 10, maybe 13. Mm-hmm. I, I Normally they signed it. So I'd have to look, I've had these, the, the hardcover books for decades and to get to go back in them and look at the books, relive this story. Yeah. It's, it was great. Yeah. These, these are a gift. These stories are a gift to the human soul for sure. Well, I've had a great time, Paul. Thank you so much for helping me think more deeply to understand why I love them so much. It's really been good yeah, for me. And maybe we'll get your dad converted one day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. 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 Yeah, I may have to sit down and explain to him <laughs> at least what I see. Although he just, he finds his... Uh his initiation in and uh what stirs his heart is in world war ii stuff which is still Absolutely. pretty good i mean oh, that yeah. band of brothers is that's also on the list of things we want to do up up here so oh yeah it's huge so this has been paul mcdonald and jay heck talking about not just return of the king but the whole series the lord of the rings I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to dig a little deeper, we have some resources available on our website, menatthemovies.com backslash podcast, where you can see some quotes. We'll put some links into some resources and stuff that we've talked about, as well as if you got, if you wanted to get together with a couple guys, watch the movie, there's questions that you could ask. And even if it's not with a couple guys, just watch the movie and look at our questions and see where God is leading you. So I hope you join us next time here on the Men at the Movies podcast. Farewell, my brave hobbits. My work is now finished. Here at last, on the shores of the sea, comes the end of our fellowship. Not say, do not weep.
not all tears Side has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? Hey!